Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at the church, and it is so good to be with you here on this Friday, or whenever it is you're listening to this. Today I'm going to read one of my favorite passages from John 2. It's actually the first miracle of Jesus, the turning of water into wine. Then we're going to pray and spend just a little bit of time here and on our Friday thinking about the Word of God and asking Him to renew us in our spirits. But first, let's read. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. And when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and they remained there for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I thank you for the word uh, of God. I thank you specifically for this first miracle of Jesus. And I pray today that you would help us to see it, uh, that you would help us to see this not just as a story 2,000 years old, but that we would see what this story means for us, this first miracle, what it means for us today as we seek to live our lives in the midst of remarkable uncertainty. Have mercy on us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before we jump into this, I just want to say that um, scholars say the first half of John's gospel contains seven signs, and this is the first of those signs. And a sign essentially points to something true about God and also at the same time a sign points to truth about the human condition. Uh, What's true about you, about me? And I love these signs because they actually really do help us learn and grow and maybe find our own story within a larger story, the story of the scripture, the story of God with his people. So we're going to look at this sign uh, today, trying to see what the story is telling us about Jesus, but also what the story is telling us about us. I, I think there's some real application here, especially in a season such as the one we're in. So let's sit with the story. Uh, everyone attends a wedding. Uh, the, in, the entire village would have been in attendance. Uh, weddings in Palestine in the ancient world, and frankly, even today, are not like weddings that we have here in the States and the West, where we have very limited guest lists because, you know, the chicken's so expensive when you cater it out. Uh, everyone in the village would have been invited, and people even from neighboring villages. Uh, this would explain why Mary, Jesus, and the disciples are, are there. A typical wedding in, in the time of Jesus uh, would have lasted up, upwards near a week. And the financial responsibility for that wedding would have rested with the groom. So what we know in this story is simple enough. The young couple run out of wine. And running out of wine was not just embarrassing. Uh, You know, today, if you run out of wine, you probably send a, a friend to Trader Joe's or the liquor store and they buy some you know, booze and no harm, no foul, right? There's just a little delay. But in, in the ancient world, to run out of wine meant you just 
ran out of wine. And it wouldn't have just been embarrassing. It would have been a social disgrace. It probably would have been a disgrace that, that would hang over a young couple and the family of the groom specifically for the rest of their lives. People would have actually taken the running out of wine to be a bad omen. <laughs> they would have thought these people are going to run out of mirth and joy and they won't have enough. Uh, this would have been symbolic, if you will. And when I think about that, especially considering that a, a miracle story like this is not just saying something about God, it's saying something about me. I realize that like this couple, I have moments when I run out. And I think you do too. And maybe you're there right now. Uh, many of us, as the pandemic wears on, we thought early on, I'll have enough to get through this if everything goes according to plan. And yet, as it drags on, we think, oh, I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if I have enough patience. I don't know if I have enough money in my bank account. I don't know if I have enough strength, hope, peace, whatever it is. This story, the turning of the water into wine and the couple running out of wine is a deeply human story because humans, people like you and me, even the best of us, we are prone to run out. It's what we do. It doesn't mean that we intend to run out. It doesn't mean that we think it's fun to run out. It doesn't mean that there's no remedy when we run out, but we do run out. It doesn't surprise God, and it should not surprise us when we are prone to run low on resources. So in the story, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she notices this lack. Uh, somehow, she's dialed in. She knows that the couple run out of wine before the couple does, and she looks to pull Jesus into the situation. Now, Jesus gently rebukes his mother. Now, it's, his tone is not as disrespectful as it sounds. I, I would not encourage you, men in my, within my hearing, to refer to any female in your life as woman. Woman, what is that between me and you? But in the ancient world and the way Jesus was responding, he was not being as disrespectful as it would sound to our own ears. He is uh, making a short and to-the-point response to say, uh, this is not our time. I think he's actually inviting her to be persistent, though, because she responds by saying to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, she spoke to these servants because they were acutely aware of the need. People in the hospitality industry are aware before anyone else that there's a problem coming down the tracks. Now, it's hard to imagine what Mary had in mind. Remember, Jesus had not performed one miracle. This was his first so it follows that she didn't expect maybe a miracle, but she knew that involving Jesus when there was a problem was a good idea. And I think there's an application here um, for us to involve Jesus, even if we don't know what it is he might do. That's Mary's instinct, and I think that should be the instinct of uh, every Christian, frankly, to say, Jesus, I don't know how, but I want you in this. So the second thing I think we're invited to see here is, do I, like Mary, think to involve Jesus in the problems of life? Or do I try to solve them on my own? Sometimes for all of us, it's tempting to hide the places where we run out, to pretend like they're not there. And maybe that's what you're feeling tempted to do. And after a while right now, we, we just can't hide it anymore. And I think oftentimes our tendency to hide our, our weakness or our vulnerability, our scarcity, it hurts us. Because many of us cover up our vulnerability, our places of running out, until we can't hide it any longer. And then oftentimes it's too late. Uh, as a pastor, I run into this all the time, people who hide marital problems until it's too late. And then by the time they let people know they're in trouble, it feels like there's just nothing that can be done. We do that sometimes with addiction, uh, with 
personal private coping mechanisms with darkness uh, in our hearts or depression, anxiety. We don't want to tell people that we run out until we can hide it no longer. And so today I just want to say to you, if you feel like something in your heart and your life is off, is out of kilter, say something, tell someone, tell a pastor, a friend, a family member, ask for help, ask for God's help, ask for our help. Mary sees something and she responds and says, we got to invite Jesus into this story. So why would Mary say, do whatever he tells you? I think she knew how Jesus felt about this young couple. The third thing I think we're invited to see here is that Jesus's instinctual desire, God's instinctual desire is to spare people from shame. See, this miracle is an act of compassion. If Jesus will work to spare a poor, young, unnamed couple from shame, then I can be confident that he cares about me in a similar manner. See, they don't know. The young couple does not know what's lurking around the corner. None of us ever know what's lurking around the corner, but Jesus does. And people obey Jesus, even when they have no idea why he's asked them to pour water into pots, right? That's what Jesus says. He tells the servants to fill the pots to the brim. They do what he asks. They obey. And this gets me to thinking about this. In your life, as you, as you follow God, you are going to be invited to participate with God as he helps other people. See, Mary noticed servants filled. Everyone was working with Jesus at this point. They were actually just saying, I want to do what I'm supposed to do. I want to do my part. And I just want to say this. I guarantee you, you have a job to do, a, a part to play in the work of God and the lives of people around you. See, one of the things I think the Lord is wanting all of us to see during this season is we cannot remain passive. We cannot uh, succumb to a scarcity mindset that causes us to pull in and just try to take care of ourselves. We can't do that and uh, be the people God wants us to be. He wants to use you, even maybe especially in a time like the one we're in. So what does Jesus do? He turns water into wine. He demonstrates an unusual compassion. He moves to spare a young couple in an obscure village from shame. The transformation from water into wine is so striking. It's symbolic of change, like God taking an ordinary thing and transforming it into something beautiful. And that's what he wants to do in your life and mine. I think that's what he wants to do in the world right now. He wants to do beautiful things. He wants to transform the ordinary and make it extraordinary. But here's the thing that I want to leave us with. Not everybody even notices that God's at work. Y'all, not many people in this story even know a miracle's taken place. They just think the, the, the good wine was saved till last. Uh, the couple doesn't seem to know. Even the chief steward doesn't know. His response is indicative of ignorance. So sometimes God's working and we don't even notice it. Sometimes a miracle's occurred and very few people even know. It seems to be the way God works. See, Jesus' purpose is to spare us from shame, and yet the couple maybe never even realized what they had been spared from. And I think of my own life, and I think, how many times has God spared me and I didn't even know it? I think one of the things the Lord would have us to do is to look for hints of provision, to be more aware, more prone to look, and thank God for provision. Maybe have eyes to see the miracles, whereas if we're distracted, we don't. And I want to leave us here. Jesus is able to provide for everybody as we learn to look to him. He makes 180 gallons of wine. That is way more, more than enough. And what this tells me is that our God is a God of more than enough. He's a God who wants to fill us uh, to the brim. He wants to give us more than we could handle, kind of like the feeding of the 5,000. We looked at this past Sunday. They go from not enough to baskets and baskets and baskets left over. 
God's a God of provision, a God of abundance. And I believe he wants us to believe him for that provision. And he wants to use us to see that provision grow in the lives of others. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you when we see you. Amen.